I really enjoyed the uh, worship team this morning, and I don't know if you noticed while they were leading us in worship, but one of the lines in the song said, your will, your way. And uh, the drummer and the bass player emphasized that with a boom, boom, your will, your way. And I was sitting there, actually I was standing and singing, and that's the wonderful thing about praise and about singing and articulating the truth of God and letting that all work together. Because uh, it's easy to say your will, your way. It's harder when we're faced with life and it's in conflict with what we think we want to do. And so that was a great reminder. Uh, let's give our band and worship team a great hand. They, week after week, just do uh, a, a tremendous job. And uh, let's have a hand for Life on the River and for Sarah and Christina. Just a great job. And uh, I think I want to hire you guys every Sunday. That's great. Excellent, excellent. Well, somebody said money talks, huh? So, well, um, we are continuing our series on solid growth. And, you know, our verse for the year is Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. And last week we looked at the, the uh, idea of pursuing wisdom, and so we're going to hang with that a little bit, wisdom today, and uh, we're actually going to look at the wisdom of choosing honor, how we honor people. And so it's really a joy for me because... As we begin to look at the text, and I'm going to, Mary's going to come up. She is actually going to bring the body of the sermon this morning. Let's have a hand for Mary. But we were originally looking at Ephesians 6, which talks about children honoring their parents by obeying, and then parents being honorable parents. We're looking at that together. And so, of course, Ephesians 6, uh, 1 to 4, really is based on the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, the first five are our relationship to God. The second five are our relationship to one another. But um, most of us know maybe some of the commandments, maybe most of them, but very few of us know all of them. So I thought it would be a good discipline as we look at our text this morning. We're going to look at the Ten Commandments. We'll read that together. And then uh, a passage in Romans, which will relate to my pre-opening thought. And then we'll look at uh, Ephesians 6. So let's stand together. And we stand in honor, talking about honor, honor of the word of God. And I do not have <laughs> the text in front of me. So you guys just read it. All right, here we go.
Romans. Ephesians 6. God for the people of God. Uh, before you take your seats, give the person next to you a high five and say, my heart is open, is yours. You may be seated. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I took questions from the congregation and attempted to answer them right on the spot. And so we ran out of time. And so over the next several weeks, I'm going to take some of those questions and deal with them. So one of those questions was, what does the Bible have to say about gossip and judgment of others? So we'll leave the judgment of others um, for another time. But today, I just want to just talk for a moment about gossip. Gossip is sharing negative or sensitive information with someone about someone else. Now, pay attention to this next statement. Gossip results when we respond to people negatively. They bring out our own insecurities. In an effort to justify our feelings, we involve someone else in our frustrations. And so, now, in church, um, we... Uh, we mask gossip by saying, calling, you know, calls, child, let me tell you, I heard so-and-so and so, and I, we really need to pray for them. <laughs> and so we do that. I was listening to the comedian, I think it was Henry Cho, and he was talking about how you can say something bad about anybody else as long as you add a bless their heart after it. <laughs> you know, like, did you see that dress she had on? Bless her heart. <laughs> and so we mask the whole idea of gossip. But it's, 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 it's vile. It's destructive. Listen to this poem. My name is Gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it's never the same. I topple governments and I ruin marriages. I ruin careers. I cause sleepless nights. 
heartache and indigestion. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. I am gossip. Now, this eye-opening poem from an unknown author says a lot about the damage done through gossip. Now, we've all heard that famous phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. <laughs> In our hearts, we know this is not true. Now, it, it's a useful attitude to take um, when insulted by others, but even if you recite that, doesn't take away the pain. Words do tremendous damage. So unless you've been a victim of a crime or major illness or something else catastrophic, your deepest pain have probably come from words. Proverbs. The mouth of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. And then you read that passage from Romans. When I was reading it before, I, I was at a Young Life camp one time, and the camp speaker, in Young Life, we do uh, messages for five days at a camp, and one night the message is on sin and the impact of sin in our lives and the results of sin in our lives. And so I heard a speaker do this, and it was amazing. He just gave a few opening remarks, and then he turned to Romans 1. If you want a real primer on life and what it's like, read Romans 1. The first uh, 10 verses in Romans 1 deal with the power of faith. It tells us the just shall live by faith. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Really powerful stuff in there. But then when you get to verse 18, it lists this menu of behaviors that cause so much destruction. And then down on the end of it, uh, I'll just read uh, 29 again. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. Wow. Gossip is including in that. And then as we read on, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful, they invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their Wow, that's listed in there. So today we want to talk about honor. And um, it's been my joy to partner with Mary. And she's going to carry the bulk of our talk as we talk about principles of solid growth. And so I'm going to ask you to give our sister, our youth intern, a hand as she comes up. Mary Gustakis. And so, Mary, it's been a joy to meet with you, and I've been praying for you, and I know you have a word for us. I'll sit down as you deliver this. Hi, everyone. So if I, like, barf up here, um, apologies. I hope, you know, if you're sitting in the first five rows, there's something that you ought to know. Have you guys ever been to SeaWorld? No? All right. <laughs> it's a joke about how it's the soak zone. Anyways. <laughs> So Pastor Henry wanted me to start off by telling you guys a little bit about how we prepared for this. Um, we've been studying this for probably about a month or so, and we've been creating this sermon together, and he did a lot of it. Um, <clears throat> and we've really been going over the concept of honoring, honoring your father and mother, and then part two, how parents can be honorable. 
Um, so we've really been taking a lot of time on this. And the reason why he wanted to do the Ten Commandments is because um, honoring your father and mother is the fifth commandment. It's on the second stone tablet. And he thought, why not cover all of them at the beginning of the sermon? Because a lot of the time, um, people forget all of them. So um, I'm going to try and treat this a lot like just a youth group. So we're going to relax so then Mary can relax. And I might ask you guys some questions. And um, So I'm going to start off by a story. So he, he was like, yeah, we're going to do all the Ten Commandments because people don't always remember all of them. And I'm sitting there and I'm like agreeing because I'm trying to think in my head if I can remember all the Ten Commandments. And I'm like counting, I'm like murder, cheating, whatever, like, <laughs> and I couldn't think of all of them. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right, Pastor Henry. I can't remember all the Ten Commandments. And it's a lot like trying to remember all the seven dwarves. Like a lot of the times people <laughs> can only remember six of them, you know, like sometimes you can only get six of the seven dwarves. You can't remember all seven. And so Pastor Henry was like, you're totally right. That's a great analogy. I always forget donkey. And for those of you that may or may not know the Seven Dwarves in the movie, there's no dwarf named Donkey. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. We had a good laugh. So <clears throat> that's how we're going to start off this sermon. So the fifth commandment started off on the second stone tablet. The first tablet um, was all about our relationship with God. So if you notice in the Ten Commandments, the first four are all about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then the second stone tablet begins with our relationship with our earthly father and mother. And it's important that we note that it begins with our relationship with our earthly father and mother. Because success in that um, commandment is necessary for a healthy relationship with God. And it's success, it, so is success with the fifth commandment necessary for a healthy relationship with other people in society, not just our moms and dads here on earth. So in other words, if you have honor, if you respect your mother and father here on earth, a lot of the times that will help you respect and honor other people, people in your work, people in your congregation, your other family members, anyone that has some sort of authority over you or mutual authority with you. So simply put, the way children relate to their parents will determine their success in how they relate to other human beings. Not only will it affect the relationship we have with other human beings, but it has a dramatic impact on our relationship with our Heavenly Father as well. So, to start off, uh, in youth group, I ask sometimes if my students know the definition of a word. So does anyone in here know the definition of honor? If you do, shout it out. Bueller? Yes. That's pretty much it, right on the head. I'm not going to even ask again. <laughs> to regard with great respect, to have high respect or esteem. So a round of applause. Good job. She's our dictionary over there. So there's two parts to this commandment. Um, and we read it in Exodus 20, verse 12. We already read that. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So there's two parts to that. The first part is quite simple. Honor your father and your mother. And the second part is parents being honorable. So we're going to start with the first part. Um, when, we're, when we enter here on earth as children, as babies, parents are the first authority that we encounter. They're given to us. We have no other choice but to have them as our authority figures. We really don't get to choose who that is. Um, but there's three stages in life that we must navigate successfully in order to become healthy adults. The first one is the early childhood stage or the enforced obedience stage. Enforced. 
The second is the youth stage, or the willful obedience stage. And lastly, there's the adult stage, or the mutual obedience. So we're going to start the early childhood stage with the enforced obedience with a clip. It's from um, Cheaper by the Dozen. today. Henry, you have band practice, right? I cleaned your clarinet. Please don't play it with food in your mouth again. Kim and Jessica, your teacher called and has made a request that you do not correct her in front of the class. Mike, you have show and tell today. Please, honey, remember that body parts do not count. Kyle and Nigel, you have a dentist appointment at 3 o'clock, so you're going to work with Dan. Yeah! What time's Nora coming over? Uh, she may not make it. She hardly ever comes home since she started dating that doorknob. He's not a doorknob. The man irons his jeans, Mom. Yeah, that's weird. Now let's eat. Mm. Yeah. All right, so um, Michael, Miko, and I thought that that was a really funny clip to somewhat convey enforced obedience because nothing was really enforced in that clip. Like, everything's kind of crazy. They have 12 kids and everyone's going on that. But still, um, the parents managed to enforce these kids. They have 12 of them. A lot of them are really little, and they're in the childhood stage, and they still managed to raise them up and, like, have a little bit of laughter with it because I've never had kids, but I can assume that when you're raising them, you gotta laugh sometimes. So I thought that was a really good quote. Um, enforced obedience with love and good balances will make willful obedience stage later more acceptable. So two things, love and good balances. That's something that Pastor Henry really, um, really stressed when we were talking um, because like the enforced stage is the stage that you know we're just looking at with little kids and parents are their enforcer. They get to create the rules. You're living under my house with my rules. Um, and that is perfect. That's how it's supposed to be. But with love and good balances, that's how we transition to the next stage and create a smooth transition to that. Enforced obedience with love produces respect. That willful obedience becomes a natural progression. So with that love in the childhood stage, it'll produce respect. So the fifth commandment will come naturally. 
The simple statement by Paul in Ephesians 6.1, we read that earlier, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, reflects the early stage. Paul does not elaborate on the philosophy of it. It is just the simple truth. So when I read that, I kind of imagine like a kid sitting next to Paul, reading his word, and the kid's like, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then the kid looks up at Paul, and they're like, but why? I don't want to obey my parents all the time. And then Paul just says, because I said so. Because that's all Paul says, really, right there. There's no reasoning behind it. It's because I said so. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. You may laugh. <laughs> <laughs> See, Dave, this is why I needed the clicker. When he taught youth group, he had a little clicker if a joke didn't go by very well. Like, he would have a uh, applause track and a laughter track, so then he felt like at least someone is laughing at him. <laughs> and I asked him if I could borrow it, and he said I won't need it, but I did. <laughs> so next is the youth stage, willful obedience. So we're moving up in age. Now we're not children. Now we're teenagers. Paul's point in Ephesians 6, 2 through 3 about the fifth commandment and I'm going to read two through three for you guys real fast. It says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy um, long life on earth. So I really feel like that's the point in our lives when we're teenagers or young adults that we start to realize that we have a choice whether we obey our parents or not. And that's scary for a lot of parents. <laughs> and so here <laughs> it says... So you should obey your parents, and here's why. So that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on earth. Um, so that really kind of encompasses the second stage, the youth stage. Willful obedience in youth helps produce a healthy adult who can exercise authority and mutually submit to other authority. Rebelliousness at this stage often makes for a rough transition later to adulthood and the dynamics of social authority. So this is the stage where a lot of people start to decide that maybe they don't want to obey their parents. Maybe they don't need to obey their parents, and that's where that comes into play, where it becomes willful obedience. And hopefully, um, at the end of most people's youth stage, they start to understand, I should obey my parents now. Now I understand why. And so that's where the transition into the adult stage becomes more smooth. And without that realization, it might be a little bit more unsmooth. So the adult stage is known as mutual obedience. This stage is a result of successful navigation through the first two stages. Most adults who do well with authority have good experiences with enforced obedience and willful obedience as they grow. How well we do in each stage will dramatically determine how well we do in the next stage. So does that make sense? So like what Pastor Henry and I were really talking about was if you go through the enforced stage well, and then you go through the willful obedience stage well, then you're probably going to have a better time as an adult respecting your authority or your mutual authority because a lot of times in the workplace you might be working in a partner situation where you both have some sort of authority or in a marriage where you're a mom and you're a dad and you both have authority over kids and you need to have that mutual obedience so successful navigation through the first two stages is going to make that third a little bit better. And I'm not a parent, so I don't know, but Pastor Henry is, so <laughs> I'm just going to rely on his knowledge right up there. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, most adults do well with authority. They have good experiences in the first two stages. How well we do in each stage will dramatically determine how well we do in the next. So to honor means to respect another person's position and authority. 
So just because you they have some sort of authority and you may not may or may not agree with the decision they're making, doesn't mean you don't have respect for their authority. Doesn't mean that you don't honor them. Much of the way children feel about God is modeled on how they feel about their parents. So this is the point here about children honoring their father and mother. So a lot of the times, parents can really reflect God's love. So a lot of the times, what children feel about God might really reflect how they feel about their parents. That's where coming uh, honoring your parents really comes into play because it can directly result how we honor God as well. When children respect or honor their parents, they learn to respect and honor God. Because, as we spoke earlier, parents are the initial authority figure that we have, but God is our ultimate authority figure that we have, even more initial than our parents. So, our second point is parents being honorable. And so, I want us to read Joshua 24, 15. So, now I get to say stand up, so if you guys could stand up. <laughs> We're going to read that one real fast. Do we have it? Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Um, so I chose to look at that. Pa- oh, sorry. You made me read. <laughs> sorry about that. I was like, why are they all standing and looking at me? <laughs> uh, I chose to look at that passage. Um, and sorry, I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit. So we'll get back to that. Sorry. My bad. And we're going to look at clip number two. It's from um, Cheaper by the Dozen as well. And it's going to look there. <laughs> Something tells me you had an unpleasant interaction with those boys, Mark. They knocked my glasses off. I heard you were dissing my family. I don't even know your family, loser. You do now! is enough. You're slacking on your chores. You're fighting in school. Things are out of control. As of this moment, you are all grounded. What's grounded? What's grounded? I'll tell you what grounded is. Except for attending games, you go to school, you come home from school, you do your homework, you do your chores, you go to bed, and that's it. Does this mean we can't go to Dylan's birthday party? That's exactly what it means. But we bought his presents already. You are going to miss it. Now, go to bed. All right. So, here... 
Steve Martin's character, I forget his name, but he is showing that authority role. And he's not doing it in a disrespectful way towards his children. He's being honorable, but he's kind of thrown down the hammer because they're clearly acting out. You know, they hurt their teacher's eye, they're knocking over people's lattes, they're hitting people <laughs> in the face. So, you know, they're not doing a good job. They're not respecting other people. So Steve Martin is throwing down the hammer, but he's doing it in a good way. He's being an honorable parent. So a study by Warren Mueller says, a study once disclosed that if both mom and dad attend church regularly, 72% of their children remain faithful in attendance. If only dad attends regularly, 55% remain faithful. If only mom attends regularly, 15% remain faithful. And if neither attend regularly, only 6% remain faithful. So being an honorable parent is really important for your children's walk with God. We see that in the study. If the more that you or your spouse or the mom or the dad attends church and tries to be honorable and follow God, then the more likely it is that their children will do the same. So Ephesians 6 verse 4 we read earlier, is really the kicker when it comes to parents being honorable. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That has two parts. One, to be an honorable parent. Um, one needs to be compassionate for one's energy of their children. Don't exasperate them. Exasperate means to irritate intensely. So to poke your kids' buttons. So <laughs> Ephesians is saying, don't poke your kids' buttons. <laughs> Part B, to be an honorable parent from Ephesians 6.4, one needs to brain a child up in the Lord. And that brings us to our next verse, which we read earlier. Sorry about that. Joshua 24.15. So here Joshua was challenging the tribes of Israel to make up their minds about serving the Lord. Really, he's like, are you guys going to follow the Lord or not? But even more, this verse shows what kind of a leader and family man Joshua was. Because he's talking to them. Are you going to serve the Lord or what? He says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua says. He makes up the decision for himself and his household. So here jo um, Joshua had strong conviction. He's distinguishing himself from the Israelites by saying, but as for me. This shows stability and confidence. Part two, it shows that Joshua has positive influence over both his family and the people of Israel. He committed his entire family um, his entire household to the Lord. And this shows that he has confidence that his household will follow through and his desire to serve the Lord. So lastly, I want to end with that quote that we had. And it's really, really, um, I think it drives the point of parents being honorable. It says, a child is not likely to, father, to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. So that's really, really important. Um, and like I said, I'm not a parent, and I can't really, like, speak from experience but I think we can all understand that, like, God is our father. And so if we see, if our parents are trying to emulate that love, we're more likely to see it. We're going to see examples. We're going to see it in real life. And so, therefore, we're going to be able to make that connection sooner at a younger age and hopefully have it be a lifelong decision. So I just wanted to end with that. And, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mary. As she was sharing that, I had a thought which I want to close with. But my concluding thought has to do with honor and a practical way we can honor each other. And I'll come back to that thought. We live in a society 
where we have cell phones and we text. And, but you know what? One of the biggest gifts that we can give each other in terms of honor is full concentration. Full concentration. Um, I am ashamed to say I was sitting in one of our midweek times in Deeper. And Dave, by the way, Dave Holland is a phenomenal teacher. If you have not been here on Wednesday night, and then Dave Davenport's coming up next and doing some great things. But in the middle of that, I had my cell phone out, and I have uh, ESPN, ESPN um, uh, thing that comes on when the score comes up, and I forgot to, to uh, put my phone on vibrate, and the sound came up. So that sound, I went, And I missed the main point right at that point. You know, they say don't text and drive. You know why? Because if you are driving and that's your goal and you text, you're distracted. You're not giving full concentration. And you can cause a wreck. Guess what, friends? In our lives, in our relationships, if we don't give each other the gift of full concentration, we can cause a wreck. I'm a mentor for two pastors who are planting churches. And um, so I go spend time with them. And Covenant sends me. They pay for my airfare to go to help them. And one of them, I noticed that whenever we got together, we'd be talking. The phone would go off. And he would say, this is what he would say to me. Excuse me, Pastor Henry. Can I, I need to take this call. And he would take the call. And then we'd continue our conversation. Seven minutes later, his phone would ring again. Excuse me, Pastor Henry. I, I just need to take this call. He would take the call. He was very apologetic about it. So finally, I said to him, I said, um, do you? Do I what? I said, do you need to take the call? That's why you have voicemail. Do you know what? The covenant spent hundreds of dollars for me to fly here to be with you. And every time someone else calls, you have made the decision, no matter who it is, that they are more important than your time with me. And that is dishonor. And he said, I never looked at it that way. Our phones are our tool. We can say no to the phone, put it on voicemail, put it on vibrate. And when we do that, we honor each other because the time we have with each other is very important. So that's my practical tip for you. If the phone has been ruling you, just treat that phone like a spoiled baby who wants his way. I want it now. Tell your phone, no. <laughs> Go to voicemail. I'll get back to you later. Now for my final thought as Mary was sharing. Mary, thank you so much. It was very plain. <laughs> Wonderful. But you know what I thought about as I was sitting there listening? Suppose your experience with your earthly father or mother was horrible and painful. And every time you hear those, those that commandment about honor your mother and father, you're in deep pain. You know, the scripture doesn't say honor your mother and father if, if they're good. And to honor them doesn't mean you agree with everything they've done. And that you applaud everything they did. But in the middle of that, it's like love. Love is a choice. 
And you can choose to honor them with the gift of your time, with the gift of listening. And that may be hard, but if we do, we'll be blessed. I'm going to have a closing prayer. And maybe you need some prayer for your own family situation or where you are. Um, Ed and Judy Hess are going to be in this prayer room right over here. And after I dismiss, if you would like some time for prayer and just, just for encouragement, please take that opportunity. If you're here and you are dealing with some issues that are very painful for you, Please know that we serve a loving God and all of us. You know what? All of us are sinners saved by grace. <laughs> and if you're not saved by grace, in other words, if you haven't made that commitment to say, you know what? I am going to step over the line and I'm going to say yes to Jesus right now because I know that if I do that, my life will be so much different. Bow with me in prayer right now, would you? Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for a great word from Mary. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping you and listening to your word. Lord, let our hearts be open. Let our minds be open to your will and your way. If you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision, then you can just very simply say in this moment, Jesus, I want to turn my life over to you. I give you full reign in my life. I've been making the decisions for me. And I recognize that that's not the way to continue life. So I choose to make you my Lord. I thank you for loving me dying on the cross for me and giving me the power to walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let everybody say amen, amen.